Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Here in the studio with Pastor Matt Scott. Matt is the pastor of the Gathering Place Church in Moody. And he has been out there since 2011 when it was founded. Uh, he's married to his wife, Stevie, and they've got five beautiful children. Matt, it is an honor to have you here today. Man, thank you so much for having me, Matt. I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Yes, me too. And, um, you know, what, what's exciting to me is we met a couple years ago at the There Is More conference, have developed friendships since then, really uh, exponentially this year. And, and I'm just excited to see what God has already done in you and through you and what's taking place, not only in you, but also your family. And, you know, it's, it's been really exciting in the short period of time that I've known you, I've got to see you, um, I've gotten to see you pastor people. And I just want to honor you from the standpoint of, you know, there are a lot of pastors that, that have that title, but they don't actually pastor people. And uh, I'll give you two specific instances already where, um, you know, I was just extremely thankful and blown away at the same time. Uh, when my friend Keisha got shot, you saw a post and immediately reached out, hey, is there anything that I can do? And that just does not happen a lot in 2020 ministry, unfortunately. Uh, and then also, you know, our friends uh, diagnosed with COVID recently. And, you know, instead of just praying from afar, you went to their home and prayed for them for healing. And, you know, that's just something that's unheard of in these modern times. So I want to honor you for that being not just a pastor in name only, but your actions and your words lining up. It is so endearing and it is so refreshing. So I'm very thankful for, for who you are and uh, what you're doing uh, in the call that God has placed in your life. Well, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate those kind words and, um, you know, pastoring. This has probably been the most difficult year to pastor folks that I've ever experienced in my, my short career of 10 years. I've, uh, there's been lots of barriers and robot blocks put in the way to to keep us from pastoring folks. And, you know, I think that there's a way, even in this season, uh, where some folks are quarantined, like you discussed, to uh, even pastor those folks with wisdom and uh, with faith and boldness. Um, I know we've been criticized as a church family for going and praying for folks with COVID. But, um, you know, one thing I want people to hear very clearly is that we're, we're doing that with um, wisdom. We're doing that with by consulting healthcare officials, um, infectious disease folks, and uh, we've taken a lot of measures um, in order to enter those homes safely to keep everyone safe, pray for folks. And, and so without going into great detail, you know, I just want to let people know that we are we're, we're trying our best to continue to honor the scriptures, which tell us to lay hands on the sick when they're sick. James 5 tells us explicitly, is any if any of you are sick, call upon the elders of the church so they may anoint you with oil and pray for you. And I don't feel that that scripture is void in the midst of a pandemic. I believe that you can do it. You can do it safely. Uh, you can do it with caution. If everyone called to go pray for COVID people? I don't think so. I think that the elders specifically are and those that are um, uh, feel a, a call upon their life to pray for the, the sick right now. And so we train those folks. We tell them how to protect themselves from home. But uh, anyway, I really, I really appreciate that. And, and we're, we're actually, uh, I, I don't know if you want to go this direction with the podcast, but as soon as we're talking about it, I'm about to talk about it. But we've been contacted by many churches that want to be trained uh, and want their prayer teams to be trained to go pray for the sick, specifically those with COVID. And so we've called 
hospitals and infectious disease experts and CDC experts. And we plan to have a workshop in January that will further train not only volunteers, but churches on how to have a laying on hands ministry in the midst of a pandemic, because I personally do not see it going away uh, in February. I think that it's going to be here for a minute. And we again, we can't just ignore those that are isolated, alone and sick. We, we got to get to them. We got to we got to lay a hand on them. And, and there's ways to do that because um, our, our, our nurses and our doctors, even though they have much training uh, from what I'm hearing from them is uh, with proper protection and and obviously faith, you can get into these homes and pray and get out without uh, exposure and risk of spreading the virus to a lot of folks. So. I think once we get around that barrier of fear and keep praying for folks, we're going to see uh, a, a, we're going to see a, a shift and a turn, uh, specifically in the church in a, in a mighty way. So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, uh, again, um, we're in the midst of 2020. Yeah, we're we're in the middle of you know this pandemic that just will not go away. Uh, it, it's driving us crazy in so many aspects, and you know, again. Early on, I think there was a choice and uh, people really had to determine what do I believe and, and what do I really stand for? And, you know, in March, when when things started to close and things really started to, um, you know, really, I guess, flare up in uh, the United States, ultimately, uh, I think there's been a separation you know, people who really believe what the word says and people who really put the word into practice, they know what the scripture is calling us to do. And the people who actually walk that out and then the people who, um, you know, well, I know that the Bible says this, but I'm going to do this because the CDC tells me something differently. And, and ultimately, um, the only way that we're ever going to be able to reach people that don't know Jesus is by showing them something completely different than what the world has to offer. And, and if Christians look just like the world, then what's the point? And, you know, you, you mentioned uh, the scripture in James, but Matthew 10, eight tells us to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy. Leprosy was a lot worse than COVID-19. And Jesus touched those lepers, the, the people that were determined to be unclean and that's what he did. And then in John 14, 12, truly, I tell you, anyone who believes will do the same works, if not greater, because I'm going to be with the father. Those were his words. And, and I've heard pastors, even in this season, well, that's not what he meant. Well, I'm going to take him at his word and I, I'm going to A, know what his word says and B, follow his word more so than, you know, just the, the latest, um, you know, reflection on what he says, I, I'm going to get to know him in an intimate way. And I'm going to listen to his voice and I'm going to listen to his scriptures, read his scriptures and, and ultimately walk that out. Because that's the only way that, that the church and the body of Christ is able to reach those people who are desperate and hurting, trying to find something different that clearly this world in 2020 is lacking. Uh, yeah, that they can't provide peace. They can't provide hope. They can't provide joy. They can't provide any of the things that the fruits of the spirit can provide. So, uh, again, I like that, um, y'all are not only walking it out, but now you're going to be training and equipping others to, to do it in a safe and reasonable way, but at the same time with a boldness and a faith that it's lacking in a lot of places. So from that standpoint, you, you said you'd experience some some pushback. What has that looked like um, from like doing what God calls you to do versus doing what the world is is telling you you should be doing? Well, I mean, um, you know, I guess it started early on in the pandemic i mean we like everyone immediately shut down um large gatherings we pushed pause to try to figure out uh what in the world was going on i mean we were trying to just like everybody else uh you know how serious is this how deadly is this um 
is this going away next week? I mean, originally, I remember, uh, you know, beginning uh, middle of March when it it kind of surfaced, I was still thinking that we're going to shut down for a few weeks and, you know, we'll be back for Easter and uh, that this would just hopefully blow over. And it didn't do that. Uh, here we are still sitting in the middle of uh, some of the, I mean, I think yesterday, for those that are listening to this way later, maybe even years later, uh, we're sitting here in December now of 2020, uh, week of Christmas, and we have some of the highest reported cases this week than we've had since it began. So, um, so yeah, uh, middle of March, we shut down. Um, and I think every church had to make uh, a decision based off of what the Lord was telling them. Larger churches made decisions. Smaller churches made decisions. Some smaller churches opened up very quickly. Some larger churches obviously needed to proceed with caution. Um, but the Lord told us, I want you to come back on Pentecost Sunday. And that was a little early for some. And we received some criticism for that. But mostly um, people were really fired up about that decision. Um, I was actually really surprised to see how many people re-engaged on that weekend, well over 70% of our pre-COVID congregation was back, and we've been worshiping live ever since. Uh, we've had gatherings every Sunday, and um, we we have some services where people can wear, you know, uh, mask required services. We've had uh, we have a service where uh, you, you get to make the decision whether you wear a mask or not. And I think that's what my, my conversations with most pastors, that's what they're doing. They're opening up their doors now at this point. And if you want to wear a mask, you can come on. If, if you don't, that's fine, too. Uh, you're free to worship however you think is best for you and your family. And so we're, we're, we, we've been doing that essentially since, um, since Pentecost Sunday in May. And so, um, and then when we made the decision to start uh, praying, laying on hands and praying, for those that were sick, obviously we received some, some criticism, which is to be expected. Um, now, uh, granted, most of our criticism is coming from folks that aren't um, Christian, to which I would understand that completely. If I'm not a Christian and I don't believe in prayer and I'm fearful of this virus, um, then I would be critical of Christians as well. <laughs> yeah, I would I would definitely be critical. And so I understand that criticism. And I, you know, I don't I don't engage in those conversations because we're coming from two completely different perspectives. Um, you know, I'm, I'm offering something that I believe to be critical to one's not only spiritual well-being, but according to medical papers. And there's God, there's thousands of medical papers from atheist doctors that will tell you that the emotional, spiritual, and mental well-being of an individual has much to do with their physical well-being. Um, hospitals and faith have been working together for hundreds of years to help people get well. So for us to push faith out of the picture in the midst of a pandemic, uh, according to even atheist doctors in this season, is very unwise. We have placed all of the weight now upon our healthcare workers, our doctors, our nurses, and our physicians, and they alone now are trying to uh, help people get well. And most doctors and nurses that I talk to from a faith perspective are very upset that the church has been pushed out, that prayer has been pushed out, that uh, pastors cannot get in hospitals uh, to pray for folks, that loved ones can't be with people. Uh, I believe one major contributing factor to uh, the increase of sickness and even death in this season is isolation, depression, and anxiety. And um, and we know what the Lord says about all of that and, and how we help people get free of that. So anyway, um, I, I believe, as many doctors and nurses and healthcare officials do, that faith needs to play a part in helping people get well in this season. So. Uh, as already stated, I think there's a healthy way to do that and a safe way to do that. And I think that health care officials and faith officials, uh, again, need to link arms in this battle against this pandemic uh, in order to see people get well.
So anyway, yeah, there's been criticism, as you, as you might can think, when somebody sees a post or a announcement from our church that says, hey, if you have COVID, we'll come pray for you. Without knowing all of the details, people just throw a fit. And uh, I get that. I get that. Uh, but just... You know, just know before you become critical of a post like that, you might want to do a little research and see, you know, what is this church done? Uh, how are they praying for folks? Uh, and, and I think that even those from a non-faith perspective, if they see what measures we've gone to in order to take care of all involved when that prayer takes place, they'd probably be a lot less critical. Well, so I, I think that it's important to note a couple things that that give you more credibility from an expertise standpoint. So, you know, first of all, you worked in the medical field in, in medical device. So you, you've been in hospitals for years. Uh, so you've got that background of, of what takes place in hospitals. You, you've got a, a medical background uh, to a certain extent where you you're in relationship with a lot of people in healthcare, And then also you've seen people get healed so you're not just praying without evidence that it can actually take place. You've prayed for people and seen them get healed, not just of COVID, of all different types of things, but COVID specifically. And, and from that standpoint, you know, you're not, not just talking about praying for people and then seeing nothing happen. And, you know, I, I think that that's what people need to understand is prayer works. Prayer is extremely important. Prayer is the most powerful weapon that we have to combat against everything, let alone COVID-19. And, and from that standpoint, you know, whether people like it or don't like it, believe in it or don't believe it, it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't change the fact that it's real. And so from that aspect, you know, I, I've got a person right now, a friend of mine that, that's got an issue in her brain. And I'm like, can I pray for you? No, you know, you can pray for me from afar, but I don't want you to pray. Well, she's missing an opportunity. God could heal her like that. She doesn't want it. Now, what she doesn't know is when I'm around her and I've got a mask on that I can pray under my mask. That one of the benefits of, of wearing the mask. But at the same time, you know, laying on of hands and praying for somebody with full faith that Jesus Christ who is living inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit is capable of doing anything instantaneously. And, and I think that that is an extremely sad thing that people are missing out on is, you know, I don't want that. And, and if they recognize what they were giving up as, as, you know, I once didn't believe that that was possible either. Now I know that it is. And I've seen the miraculous take place over and over. Now I would never not want that. But at the same time, you touched on isolation and, you know, isolation is the enemy's playground. When people are isolated, it is hard for them to be encouraged. It is hard for them to be uplifted. It is hard for them to know that they're not the only person that's dealing with something. And I believe that it's been a strategic plan of the enemy to get people isolated, to make them feel like if they step outside their home, they are going to die. And everywhere they go, they need to be afraid. The spirit of fear has been so prevalent in this season. And when people go to hospitals, because they are not, it, you can have the best medical staff available. And I think that they're wonderful. I, I want to salute all of our healthcare workers and, and professionals, doctors, nurses, all of those people on the front lines. They've done an amazing job. But at the same time, they are limited in time and resources as to how much time they can spend with the patients. It is up to the patient and the advocate that comes with a patient, whether that is a spouse or a family member, a loved one, a friend, somebody checking on them, that's how they get encouragement. That's how they can boost their spirits. That's how they can fight on. And people's inability to be there for somebody they care about has really made this compounded because they've been limited in access. You, even as a pastor, have been limited in your ability to get into some of these places. So, you know, from that standpoint, speak to, um, you know, what that looks like, how you, you've been in the medical field. What, what made you choose to shift? You're making a very good living in medical device sales to shift full-time to ministry and then what that background has given you insight into 
in this season? Yeah. Um, so my my career in the medical profession, um, you know, to make it absolutely abundantly clear, uh, I'm not I'm not a nurse or uh, I was not an employee of the hospital. I was an employee of a, a company um, that provided implants, orthopedic implants for surgery. Uh, Striker Orthopedics was the uh, name of the company that I worked for, for uh, right at 18 years. And uh, started that started that job uh, really early in life. I was 20 years old and started as an intern for them. And uh, one thing led to another and was hired on in a baseline sales position. And and then just, um, you know, the, the hand of the Lord uh, was just very favorable for me in that season. And had an opportunity to to be in sales in, in the Birmingham metro area. I think that's the hospital downtown was one of my main accounts. And, you know, most of my day uh, included just being in surgery as they were implanting these devices, total knees and total hips and trauma devices and spine devices. And so um, a lot of your listeners probably are very familiar with that type of stuff. So my job was to provide the resources, the implants, uh, the instruments and were to guide and coach um, the healthcare uh, providers, the nurses in the room on how to assemble those devices uh, to even offer insight to the physicians as any questions they might have about, um, you know, implantation and uh, sizes available and options available. So, you know, it was sales, yes, but most of it was hands on in the operating room. So I was familiar for 18 years on you know, uh, personal per, per, uh, protection equipment, PPE, and how to put that stuff on. And, you know, infectious disease had been, been to more infectious disease classes and orientation than I care to be. And so so I, I had no idea that that might come in handy, especially in this season. Uh, have relationships with those folks still and very familiar with, um, you know, how to protect oneself in an infectious environment. And so, um, you know, the, to answer, I guess, twofold, the reason that I went into ministry from that, why would you leave that? Because uh, I really love that job. Uh, is It's a call, you know? I think we all, if you're a person of faith, you understand that when God calls you, um, it, it, you, you always have a choice. God would have loved me just the same, and I think he would have used me in profound ways to remain in in that environment, in the medical sales environment. And I have plenty of friends in that environment doing great ministry. Um, but there was a call, and I knew that if God was calling me out of something that I loved very much and enjoyed very much, that it had to be far better. Because God will never call you out of something uh, in order to, you know, I'm, I'm not, and I'm not saying that the call is always more profitable or more um, happy because some people are called to very difficult places in very difficult positions. But I know that the joy that God was offering me and the purpose that God was offering me was obviously uh, at a higher level than what I was currently experiencing. And I did have to make some decisions. My wife and I prayed about that. We knew that it was going to require sacrifice. We knew that it was going to require a completely different lifestyle and way of living. Um, but we were honestly really excited about going into the ministry. And so we made that full transition about five years ago. I was working bivocationally when we planted the church, but uh, about five years ago, we transitioned fully into ministry. And I can honestly say without um, any hesitation, it's the best decision we've ever made. We, we've loved every second of it. And um, But to answer the second part of that question, yeah, being in, in hospitals for 18 years, knowing you know, how, how to protect oneself and, you know, how to wear PPE and infectious disease situations has really helped us greatly. And honestly, that's probably why our church has been a little bit more aggressive with praying for these folks. It, it's not because I'm a medical expert. It's because I'm just familiar with how to get into these situations. And uh, I've had relationships that maybe other pastors don't have. I've been able to access people in the hospital. I've been able to access uh, nurses and infectious disease officials. And so with those conversations, we've, we've, we've been able to have a confidence 
of stepping into some of these situations that maybe some pastors and churches want. And again, I just want to say very clearly, I am not a trained nurse or physician, but I have relationships with many. And in um, just simple conversations with like, hey, if you're going to step into one of those situations, Matt, you know, obviously take caution, take talk to the right folks, but you know, make sure that the the most important thing in those situations, where I'm being told, is that the person with COVID needs to wear a mask. Uh, you wearing the mask is not that actually that big of a deal, uh, but them wearing a mask is the biggest deal. You know, they they need to spread through droplets, and uh, so wash your hands before you go in. You wear a mask, they wear a mask. Let them wash their hands or put hand sanitizer on in front of you. You know, and then you're free at that point. Lay on hands, sit with them for a few minutes uh, at, at close. You know, a few minutes. At close contact, you know, uh, laying on hands is not that big of a deal. Um, as long as, you know, the two individuals are masked and y'all use hand sanitizer. And after you anoint with oil, then, you know, step back to six feet, engage in conversation as you exit, you know, wash your hands again. And from what I'm being told, you should be good to go. Uh, when I'm being told, it's actually much safer or here's what I'm being told. The likelihood of you contracting COVID when you're in contact with a person that you know has COVID is very slim. Why? Because you know they have COVID. You're taking all of the proper measures and protocols knowing this individual is indeed infected. Uh, where we contract it is when we drop our guard, when we forget to wash our hands, when we forget and we go hand to mouth or adjust our mask and we're rubbing our hand underneath our mask. Uh, you know, when we're in settings, when we're assuming people don't have COVID is when we actually contract COVID, <laughs> if that makes sense. But when, it, when it, if I'm coming into your house and I know you have COVID and I ask you to wear a mask and I ask you to wash your hands and I wash my hands from what I'm being told by healthcare officials, the likelihood of it, you contracting it are very small because you're going to be on, you're going to be, not only are you going to have faith, and I'm not taking the faith component out of this. I think that, you know, God, I think supernaturally intervenes in those situations as well. But um, again, I think a lot of the fear is, oh gosh, these people are going in, they're praying for folks and they're going to spread it. No, if I know you've got COVID, I'm going to take measures probably that uh, I wouldn't take if I'm going down to Walmart or, uh, you know, I'm stepping into a restaurant. If that, and hopefully that makes sense. Absolutely. And, you know, again, I think that there's a lot of wisdom in what you're doing, but I also think that it is, um, it is very refreshing that you're willing to do that. You, there is a risk, but you're willing to take a calculated risk in order to see somebody set free from a sickness and disease, which well, is what we're called to do. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Uh, listen, I'm not... One of the things that I'm really concerned about as it pertains to Christians in this season, and myself included, is that I think we're all willing to be obedient to the scriptures if there's no risk involved. But the moment that a, a risk becomes part of the equation, I'm seeing a lot of Christians and Christian leaders back down. Like, hey, we, we won't pray because there's such a risk. We won't step out because there's a risk. We won't gather because there's a risk. And, and, Listen, I'm all for loving your neighbor, but God never promised us that everything would go well. <laughs> As a matter of fact, he promised the opposite. He said, you will be persecuted. Some of you will die. Uh, I mean, gosh, the Hebrew writer even goes to the extent to say that uh, those of the faithful, those of that were of the most faithful, some of them were beheaded, sawed in half, persecuted and murdered because of me. And um, I don't think we're anywhere close to being faithful and obedient to the point of getting sick and even dying. You know, like you, you referenced a scripture earlier that, you know, has been talked about a lot in this season. And Jesus commanded his disciples not only to heal the sick, but to cleanse the lepers. Okay, so modern day. That would be, like you said, it would be worse than COVID. Uh, this is going into le lepers lived in isolated colonies where they were quarantined and no one can go into those quarantined areas. If you went into those quarantined areas, um, you could be stoned. And if they knew you went into them, you had to remain in them. You couldn't come out. So Jesus commanded his disciples against what would be modern day CDC regulations and health, health 
regulations to go into these um, isolated, quarantined areas. Why? Just to rebel against the government? No. To go in and help people who were desperate, who were lonely, who were afraid, and who were sick. And so I think our perspective in this season is kind of jacked up, just to be honest. It's a season of self-preservation, and I've seen a lot of self-preservation conversations taking place, obviously from the unsaved, and I would I would expect that. I would expect an unsaved person to not even uh, you know understand self-sacrifice for the sake of someone else to that extent. Um, but I'm seeing a lot of self-preservation conversations taking place within church and church leaders, like, hey, we just can't go help these people because I may get sick or I may spread it to someone else. And again, I think wisdom is needed in this season, but may we not forget that our first and foremost call is to be obedient to the scriptures, to love God. And God says, you love me the most when you love the least of these. And there's a lot of least of these in this season. They're being ignored. They're isolated. They're alone. They're scared to death. And they're just they're, they're wanting and desiring someone to care for them and to help them. And I think the church can do that. I think the church can do it with both faith, obedience, um, and wisdom. I think that we can throw all of those components into play in this season and really love people who, are, um, who need it the most. Absolutely agree with you. And I, I think that that has been you, you expect a lost person to act like a lost person. I know how I acted when I was lost and it wasn't very good. Uh, but at the same time, you know, to see the church not being who Jesus has called it to be and, and seeing uh, a, a lack of faith and b a lack of works, you know, a, a combination of those two, which are so desperately needed in a challenging season. I, I think the church missed a great opportunity. Not all of them. Uh, certainly Gathering Place has not missed opportunities because there's still incredible miracles and, and just healings and uh, incredible moves of God that are taking place at your church. And, and from that standpoint, uh, the, the availability is always there. It's a matter of, of, are you going to partner with God? Are you going to participate in what he's wanting to do? But a lot of churches, I believe the big C church missed a great opportunity to show a difference early on and still, um, you know, I, I think that there is just a lack of separation. Like this is who we are as, as a body of believers. This is what we believe. This is why we believe it. And, and we're going to, you know, with wisdom, we're going to continue to walk out our faith because there are hurting and desperate people all around us, not just with COVID-19. I'm talking about, you know, desperation, depression, isolation, uh, suicidal thoughts, all of the things that, that this whole thing has caused, you know, whether it's economically, spiritually, uh, physically. I mean, there are so many different ways that people are hurting. And, you know, I just know that, that, what I see in my business setting, there've been so many opportunities where I've gotten to pray with people that, you know, they come for financial guidance, but at the same time, like your finances aren't going to do anything when the market's down substantially. And, you know, but I was able to offer prayer and I was able to tell them like, Hey, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can tell you either we're going to make it through this. Like we always have, or that that's a B Jesus is coming back soon. I can't tell you which one it's going to be, but I can pray for you. I can encourage you. And I can tell you that those are the only things that I know. And I, I can't tell you what else is going to happen. And with that, you know, we grew and, and it was exponential growth because I was going to continue to trust God for everything. And I, I think that you have seen that in, 
know, your church, y'all haven't always gone after the the supernatural and, and gone after the miracles like you are now. That that shift only started to take place a couple of years ago, correct? Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've always taught, preached, believed that we serve a supernatural God. I mean, I, I don't think my doctrine or theology has changed much. But you've started to see it manifest. You've started yeah, to see well, it actually take place. Yeah. Tell about us about a, that. Well, about two years ago, um, I just, you know, I, it's probably the winter of 17, winter of 2017. I was just really discontent with where we were as a church. Now, and it wasn't due in, in that season, end of 2017, we were considered one of the fastest growing United Methodist churches in the nation. Our metrics were very strong. We had three campuses all operating at capacity and over, uh, you know, over 2,000 people called the Gathering Place home. I mean, it, it was our financial state was incredible. Uh, we'd raised funds and bought property, about to begin a, a, a large uh, building campaign or building project. And, uh, and so everything from the standpoint of church, church growth, everything you pray, I prayed for for seven years was happening. But I was not uh, satisfied with the spiritual condition. It wasn't that I wasn't praying and close to the Lord. It's just I, I, the only way I can describe it, it was this holy discontentment. And there was a hunger that I believe, honestly, was placed within me from the Lord. And, uh, you know, I was frustrated. <laughs> I got frustrated because I was teaching some stuff that wasn't happening, you know, teaching about healing and teaching about miracles and teaching about the gifts of the spirit, the power of the spirit. We just weren't seeing it. And, uh, you know, every time I read the book of Acts, I just got mad because I wasn't seeing <laughs> any of that take place. And so I, I, I didn't do any sermon series on Acts because that was just, you know, frustrating. So, you know, I, you know long story short, in the 17, I just got away for a couple of days and just ask the Lord, like, are we moving in the direction that you want us to move? Or is there something else? Is there something I'm missing? And he was so kind because he, he was, he was so uh, complimentary of what we had done and the thousands of people that had come to Christ over seven years. But, but, you know, essentially he left and I wrote this down in my journal, the, the statement that he told me, he said, there is more, there is more. And if you want more, I will show you how to obtain it. And uh, and that's all I needed to hear. Like, okay, if there's more and I'm missing out because I'm I'm one of those people, if I know there's more to be had, I am going to go after it. <laughs> that's just how I've lived my life. Uh, and, and so, all right, you're offering more. The God of the universe is offering more. It's got to be good. It's got to be, it's got to be awesome. And it's not only has it got to be good and awesome for me, it's got to be good and awesome for the 2000 people that God is currently giving me the opportunity to lead. And so I just asked the bot of what next, what next, what next, what do you want me to do next? And, you know, one thing he led me to do was just go to some spaces and places I probably never would have gone before and see what they're encountering and see what they're experiencing. And I got even with every visit, with every conversation, I got hungrier and hungrier and hungrier. Finally, 2019, um, beginning of the year, we just had this little event uh, called Encounter and invited some folks to come speak from different spaces and different streams. I would probably categorize it uh, more charismatic streams. And uh, even though they were non-denominational, they, they were just seeing stuff that I wanted to see. And so those speakers came in and 150 folks showed up for this small event and the Lord crashed in and healed folks and baptized folks in the spirit without, it, you know, just, it was manifestations of the spirit. There was, and and I knew it was genuine because none of these people had ever done that before. This was not learned behavior. <laughs> we didn't see people fall on the ground and shake violently under the power of God in our Sunday services. And I don't think half of them had ever seen that before, ever. And so I knew they weren't faking it. And um, it was it was incredible. For two days, God just showed up and just blasted us all in a very good way. And um, from that point forward, we had decisions to make. Do we? What do we do with this? And um, everybody that was at that event was very, very, you know, they wanted to do it every week. <laughs> we got to do this every week. We got to transition our whole church. And, and, and God, God said, no, you know, 
there's we'll see some wisdom. And so we started having once a month encounter services. Sundays didn't change much at that point, but we started having once a month encounter services and the move of the spirit just increased and grew. And we began to see things like uh, Parkinson's disease, people healed of Parkinson's disease, uh, had a lady hadn't walked in years. Uh, come out of a wheelchair. Now she's walking to work up flights of stairs. She's given her testimony on WDJC. Um, we've um, we've seen ears open, eyes open, uh, legs that were short grow out. People that were once using you know shoes with spacers on the bottom of them aren't anymore because their leg discrepancies have been healed. Uh, I mean, uh, eczema and cirrhosis. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, psoriasis, just melting off of people's skin, never, never again having to take steroids or medicine. I mean, I could go on and on. What's that? COVID healed. Yeah. Yeah. We've got, and I know that people kind of challenge that one, but, you know, bottom line, I've got at least five to 10 folks that were having horrible symptoms due to COVID. Somebody came and prayed the next morning they woke up and they were mowing grass or jogging. You know, that all of their symptoms were gone. So, yes, we've seen COVID heal. On the flip side of that, we pray for COVID and people have died. Uh, on the flip side of that, we've prayed for blind eyes to open and they haven't. We've prayed for uh, people with cancer to be healed and I, I did their funerals. So, um, you know, I'm not going to say that everybody we pray for is healed. They're not. But a lot of them are. <laughs> and, uh, and it's, and it's, and it's an amazing testimony to what God can do if you will just simply give him some space. And that's what we had to make the decision. God, are we going to give you space to do things like this? Or will our programs limit you? And up until 2019, our programs were limiting a move of the Spirit. We had, uh, we had a service that was timed to the second. Not saying that that's good or bad. But there was not much space at all for the person of the Holy Spirit to move, even if he wanted to. And so we had to make the cognitive decision. Are we going to allow God to move? And are we ready to take, uh, are we ready for whatever may happen if he does that, both good, bad, and ugly? And we've experienced all of that. We've experienced amazing miracles where we've all wept in the presence of the Lord. We've also experienced two to 300 people walking out on one weekend. Uh, due to the fact that they just didn't believe in a, in a miracle working God that manifests himself in some of those ways. And so we've, <laughs> we, we've experienced it all. The thing about laying your life down for the Lord and saying, God, you can do whatever you want. You better be serious when you say that because there is going to be residual effects. There's going to be spiritual warfare. There's going to be people that just don't understand. And I don't blame them one bit. Um, but just, just be ready because it's going to cost you everything. And, uh, but again, I wouldn't trade that for the world. I wouldn't trade that decision for the world since we, we're not, we're, we're by no means have arrived in any way, but with every passing month that we just say, keep doing it, Lord, keep doing it, Lord. We, we see miracles. The greatest miracle, in my opinion, is that of a transformed life through salvation. I can't tell you how many, how many, well, I can tell you, I've had at least. 15 to 20 phone calls that go something like this. What did you do to my son? What did you do to my daughter? What did you do to my wife? What did you do to my husband? Uh, to which I was like, oh boy. <laughs> but, but, but the conversation then shifts and says, I don't know what happened, but they're not the same person. And it's just a testimony to the goodness of God. And I mean, a transformed life, in my opinion, is one of the greatest testimonies that transforms others. Uh, the healing of stage four cancer is incredible, but a, a husband that was once an alcoholic and verbally abusive and even physically abusive to everyone in his house that now has been touched by the goodness and the love and the mercy of God that comes back and loves his wife, as Christ loves the church and is now raising his children in the ways of the Lord. That is a, that is a testimony. No one can deny that God has done a miracle in that person's life. And those are the ones I get the most excited about.
can tell you is it is incredible to see what what God has done, what he's doing currently, what he's I'm excited about what he's going to continue to do. And and I'm one of those people that that has been transformed by you know relationship with Jesus, encounters with the Lord. And and I'm a completely different person. And, you know, and that took place over time. And, you know, it, it was there was an instantaneous encounter back in 2016 in January, but at the same time, it is a process. And and there are those questions like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And and I want to do anything you want me to do, but you better be prepared that that A, it's not going to look like you think it's going to look like, and B, like you have no idea what he's going to call you to do. And it may be pretty crazy. Some of the things that he's asked me to do are a little crazy, but I've done them. And on the other side of that obedience, it, there's incredible rewards. There's incredible uh, joy. There's incredible, uh, you know, just there's favor. And, and from that standpoint, when you trust him and he knows he can trust you, the, the benefits are so much greater than, than any of the cost. And, and you don't do it for the, you know, the reward. You do it because you want to follow the creator of the universe. You want to, to do it because, you know, his way is better than our way. But at the same time, you know, there is sacrifice that takes place, but, but there are incredible benefits. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. Uh, I'm a better business person. And, and, I, I pray for people because that's what I'm called to do. But but I also know that somebody did that for me and and I've experienced a different way. Why would I not want to share the things that he's done in my life and and bring that to somebody else? Because I know that they don't have what could be a, a much better way. Just like, you know, I, I had no concept prior to, but now I wouldn't do it any differently. So you know, from that standpoint, I agree completely that uh, a transformed life, once it is transformed, you know, we've got to start to walk out the things. Once we know he, what he's called us to do, we've got to start doing those things. And the more people do that, the more this world gets changed, you know, one person at a time. So it's, uh, it's extremely exciting to me. Again, I just I want to honor you as as my friend, as my pastor, and just as an incredible man of God whose actions and words line up. It it is so exciting to see, it's so refreshing to see, and I'm thankful for you and all that you're doing. Well, thank you so much. I really really appreciate those kind words and we're uh we're all still growing together, you know. We're all still learning together, and I think that's probably if, when we look back on 2020, the year 2020, uh, maybe five, ten years from now, the the one benefit. Uh, I mean, I, I personally, you know, I hear a lot of people saying things like, "I can't wait to get out of this year." Man, I I don't know if I've ever grown or learned so much in one calendar year. So I think that we're going to look back on 2020 as a year of perspective, as a year of learning, as a year of growing. And uh, and I think that 2020, because of some of the things that have happened, it, it's gonna it's gonna create a huge wave in move of the spirit um, that is gonna impact generations to come. So I'm I'm I, again I thank you for those kind words and thank you for uh, your partnership and just growing together in this and excited about what may may God may have for us next year. It's gonna be fun. Absolutely. And I, uh, I agree 100%. I've, you know, there are plenty of things that I don't like about 2020, but it has been an incredible year of growth. And with the proper perspective, you see the amazing things that God has done. Uh, so I am excited for 2021. I'm not going to lie, but, um, you know, it, it has been a fun season. Uh, real quick, how can people learn more about you and the gathering place and, and, you know, possibly come and, and check it out for themselves? Yeah, probably the easiest way is just start with our website. You can visit our website at www.gp, as in gathering place, gpchurch.tv. So that's a good starting point. That'll let you know where we're located, a little bit about the vision, where you can uh, watch some messages or some services if you want to do that, and even visit us in person. If uh, you're doing that in this season, it'll give you information about all of that. 
And the the next encounter night, when is the the next encounter night? Yeah, excited about we're having an encounter conference in January. Uh, this will be our two year anniversary of our encounter conference. So um, excited about that. But January 14th, 15th and 16th, we're having uh, Brian Guerin from uh, Bridal Glory Ministries in Atlanta, Georgia. Brian's a great friend of the house, been here several times and excited to have Michael Kulianis from Jesus Image. Uh, Michael is a big, big uh, leader in the kingdom and a third wave expression of um, move of the spirit. And uh, just a lot of people are familiar with him and his ministry. And so we're excited to have Michael come and minister to the house as well. There's still a few spots available for that. Not many, but um, yeah, that'll be January 14th, 15th and 16th. Registration is required for that one. Usually our Friday night encounters do not require registration, but this one we do. Well, I am registered and I'm excited to be there. And uh, so, Matt, thank you so much for being with us today. And if you've enjoyed this episode, you know, go check us out on Facebook, uh, Living Life on Purpose, and then also on Instagram, Living Life on Purpose. Always, always remember to share and, and like and comment uh, what you enjoyed and uh, make sure that other people are encouraged as as you probably will be from this episode. I know I have been, so hopefully you are also. But thanks so much for listening and we will catch you next time.